Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious Father, we thank you once more that you are drawing near to us, that you are fulfilling your promises, that you are making yourself known to us. And we pray that you would instill in our hearts love for you by the hearing of your word, that you would cause us to know your forgiveness bestowed upon us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And make us always to walk in that wonderful truth that we are pardoned, that we are restored, that we are renewed, all because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And we ask this all through that very same Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. It's amazing the ways people in the Gospels will complain about Jesus. It's amazing how little people think of others and how highly they think of themselves. These people complained that Jesus would go into the house of a sinner and be that person's guest. They grumbled, just like the Israelites did continually in the wilderness. They grumbled, they complained, they bemoaned the fact that God was doing something in their midst because it wasn't the thing that they wanted to be done in their midst. But I say praise God that Jesus would go into the house of sinners. Praise God, because if he does not go into the house of a sinner, then none of us can be saved. None of us can be renewed. None of us can be received by the Father. For that is the reason that Jesus has come, is it not? In the closing words of our gospel lesson, we hear Jesus say, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek the lost. He came to save the lost. He came to bring them to himself, and that means going to where those people are, going to where those sinners are. And that's what Jesus does throughout his whole ministry is to go to the sinners. He meets them where they are and calls them forth from where they once were. And this meeting sinners where they are, meeting people from where they are coming, that is what Jesus is doing this day in our midst. As Meredith and Miriam are brought to baptism, Jesus is meeting them. For them, this will become that moment that they can look back on, that they can say, I know that Jesus is for me. They can know that Jesus is seeking and saving them from their lostness, from their sinfulness. Baptism is that mark, that moment, that objective place of grace where Jesus meets his people. For Jesus meets people that are made his people. For yes, we as Anglicans, we believe that something special and unique is happening in this moment of baptism. That it's not just splashing someone with water. That it's not some, on the opposite end of that, some magical rite that just accomplishes something with no response from that person that's being baptized. But nonetheless, it is a special and unique moment. It is an effective moment where Christ is meeting us, where Christ meets the baptized, where he reveals himself in his grace. In baptism, Jesus shows himself to be the guest of sinners by meeting them and making them his own. 
and all of that. That's a lot to unpack. That baptism is something unique and special for us believers. That baptism is accomplishing something in the life of the person being baptized. But note how I spoke of Miriam and Meredith coming up. I didn't say they were coming to be baptized. I said they were being brought to be baptized. Part of the way that we view baptism is not that it is about the profession or the confession of faith of the individual being baptized, but it's about them being brought to the Father, being brought to God Himself to receive His promises. That baptism is a place where God reveals Himself and bestows promises upon the baptized. He makes His promises known to them and brings them to Himself. Yes, it is a mark that distinguishes a Christian from a non-Christian. But it's so much more than that. It is a place whereby God lays hold and claims the baptized as His own. For God to do that, there are many things are happening in the midst of baptism. Many graces, many gifts, many blessings are being bestowed on the person being baptized. And on that person being baptized, there is a response ultimately called for out of all of those graces. That just as we saw in our gospel lesson today, Jesus going to Zacchaeus and entering into his house and binding himself to him, so to speak, in fellowship. Zacchaeus is changed. And Zacchaeus responds as him being the chief tax collector, being the one in charge of that whole town. He says, I'll give away half of what I have. And if anyone has been defrauded by me, I will restore it fourfold. Seems strange, fourfold. What is that? It's from the law of Moses. And when someone steals from someone, when someone defrauds someone, they are required to give back not just the thing that they stole, but four times that thing. So if you stole a cow from someone, you had to give them back four cows. Not just the one cow you took, but three more of your own cows had to go to that person. <clears throat> That was to restore that person. And so Jesus binds himself in fellowship to Zacchaeus by entering into his house and Zacchaeus is changed. By the very fact that Jesus steps forward into Zacchaeus' house, that is an act of pronouncement and forgiveness. That is an act of forgiveness extended to Zacchaeus. For there is no way that Zacchaeus can be in Christ's presence without that forgiveness being extended. And for Zacchaeus, he receives it and is changed by the work of Christ. And thus in baptism, as Christ comes to you through baptism, He brings to you pardon of sin. As the water is poured on you, you are washed mysteriously and mystically by this physical water that is done in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For it is not mere water, as Martin Luther would say, but it is water with the Word, water bound up, to the very word of God. And that is why baptism can bring anything to us is because it's tied to the word of God to be given to a specific individual. That the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. And where the word of God is proclaimed there, the power of God, the spirit of God is active. And so as we pour water upon someone in baptism, speaking the word of God over them, God is at work. His Spirit is working through that Word and with that water to accomplish a great and glorious grace. 
That grace is to bring forgiveness, to bestow forgiveness, to say Christ has died for you. Christ has forgiven you. And if Christ has forgiven you, then you are brought to Christ. For Christ has come to you to extend his forgiveness, to extend his pardon. And thus faith is called forth from that baptized person. Whether they're an infant, a child, or an adult, faith is continually called forth to believe in that promise of forgiveness of sins given through baptism. To know that that forgiveness is for them. We can sit and read scripture all day long and hear about God's great promises. But there's always that moment of stepping back and saying, is this for me? Does this apply to me? The one who has been baptized can shout, hallelujah, yes, this is for me. For these promises are attached to this water. This, these promises are given to me through this word and water. And thus, if the word is connected to that water, if the word is involved with that water, not only is pardon of sin extended to that person to cling hold of, to lay hold of, to hang on to all their days, but also the aid of the Holy Spirit comes. The Spirit comes to dwell with that baptized person. And thus, as we continually hear about the promise of the Spirit being given, we can always again look back at that objective act of baptism and say, the Spirit has been gifted to me. Whether I feel it, whether I sense it, whether I fully understand that Spirit in me, He has been given. I can't deny the Spirit of God being given to me. You cannot deny the Spirit of God being given to you in baptism. That the Spirit of God is for you now, if you have been baptized. Now, it doesn't mean that you'll always walk in step with the Spirit. It doesn't mean that you'll always receive all of His renewing, renewing acts, all of His working with you. Sometimes He will work against you to drive you into Christ more deeply, to drive you more deeply into forgiveness of sins. He is an aid given to us in baptism to draw us unto Christ. But He can be ignored. He can be shoved aside. He can be pushed away and rejected. But He is still given. He is still there. He is objectively there, given to us to work and to draw us up to Christ. Because he is given with the word and with the water in order to bring us to Christ. And if the aid of the Spirit is given, then something else is happening in the midst of this baptism. The Spirit is being given to unite the baptized to the body of Christ, to unite the baptized into the church, to incorporate that person into this great and glorious company of believers, this great and glorious fellowship of individuals who have been united to Christ, who have been united to the body. This greater reality that is greater than the sum of its parts. For the church is made up of many individuals, yes, but those individuals brought together are the bride of Christ, are the body of Christ. It is His kingdom here on earth. And so with the aid of the Spirit, through baptism, we are united to the body of Christ. We are made part of the body of Christ, placed inside the body of Christ to thus be continually reminded of those gifts of forgiveness, to be reminded of that aid of the Spirit, to be united, to be reminded of all that Christ is giving to us, all the promises being bestowed upon us. We are planted in the body of Christ and united to all the people mystically in Christ. And thus being part of the body of Christ means that we are thus united to Christ. United to Christ himself through baptism. 
It's a glorious and mysterious act of God. As you read through the New Testament, you will hear more and more about baptism, especially in Romans 6. For Paul himself says that all who have been baptized into Christ have died with Christ. In order that those who have been baptized will be raised with Christ as he has been raised. And thus are driven to walk into newness of life. Baptism is a special, unique gift of God that bestows that grace of union with Christ. That we are buried through baptism into death. And not just any death, but the death of Christ Himself. So that we would then be raised with Christ Himself. We're united to Christ in order that we might flourish, in order that we might grow, in order that we might be more and more sanctified and renovated and changed by Christ Himself. And again, over in Galatians 3, Paul says that all who have been baptized have been clothed with Christ. They have put on Christ Himself. We wear Christ through our baptisms. All of these great and glorious gifts can be summed up with one word. And it's a word that will make some that may make you gasp because we don't think of this word as applying in this way. But it's called baptismal regeneration. Many of us in this day and age, think of regeneration as that one act of conversion. As that moment where you go from being in the dark to being in the light. But the reality is that word in the early church and up and through the Reformation was continually used to speak of the new life given through baptism. To speak of life planted in you that is called forth to grow through the word, to bring you to faith. That it's the beginning of life in you. That it is a new birth. For when the child is born, does the child just remain a child? Or does the child get nourished and grow and become an adult? That is the sense of what regeneration is in baptism. It is that gifting of new life, of new birth to that person being baptized in order that they would then grow. That the baptized would grow in their faith and become more and more like Christ. New life is given to the baptized. But again, as I said, it can be thrown away, it can be rejected, it can be pushed aside. But it's there, the gift is there to continually be received, to lead you through conversion after conversion after conversion, to lead you back to Christ always. For in a way, every time we turn away from Christ, we must be reconverted, and it's only by the Spirit dwelling with us, only by the Word planted in us, only by the graces that God gives and says belong to us through baptism that we can return to Christ over and over and over and be driven into a life of faith. For we live off of the foundation of who is Christ. For He is the Son of God to take away the sins of the world. And He brings that life to us to change us, to renew us. And so we can rejoice and re receive the gifts of Christ in baptism. We rejoice and receive all of those gifts, the Spirit, the pardon of sin, union with Christ and the church, His grace of regeneration. We receive it by coming to faith, by walking in faith, by remaining in faith, through and by the gift that has been given to us. It's only by His working in us that we can walk. It's only by His working in us that we will have faith. Faith arises because of His work. And it is by that faith that He grants, that He builds up, that He creates in us and gifts to us that we then go forward 
and enjoy all the benefits bestowed upon us and given to us. Or we can mourn these gifts and reject them by refusing faith, by refusing the life given, by refusing the renovation and the renewal that God desires for each and every one of us. And so we can drive the Spirit away, but yet the Spirit will remain ever near because He has been given through baptism. That's what Peter says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not only for you, but it's also for your children and all those who are far away. The Spirit is given through baptism in order to draw us. Even when we're pushing away from the Spirit, He is ever there speaking the words of Christ to us. Giving us the strength to change if but we would turn in faith. And when we turn in faith, oh, the change that can come, the change that will work in us and be renewed in us continually over and over as we go back and remember the work of Christ for us given in baptism, gifted in baptism. And so all this speech, all this talk about baptism, I hope that you're realizing that baptism is not the final end. It is not the final rung of the ladder. It's not the goal, so to speak, the telos of where we're going. It is the beginning. It is the starting point of new life. It is the starting point for there you are reborn. You're born anew in Christ. For there, at the beginning, the baptized are claimed. In your baptisms, you were claimed by God. He says, you belong to me now. And because you belong to me, I adopt you as my own child. And if you belong to me and you are my child, then you are a sibling of Christ by adoption, and thus an heir of all that he has. So believe, so trust, so walk in faith. For I have claimed you through baptism. And it is now the foundation upon which you can walk. It is the foundation upon which you can build, knowing that God is for you in particular. That it's not just that God is for us, as Paul says, in a general sense. That you are one with God. You are one with Christ through baptism. And thus, you can walk in faith, knowing that Christ is for you. We are given a place outside of ourselves in baptism. We can look and say, this salvation of Christ is for me. And so I will believe it, for I am assured that God has given me these promises by making me his child. By uniting me to Christ, by making me one of his own. That is the gift and the grace of baptism this day. That we are made Christ's own. And thus we receive the forgiveness, we receive the Spirit, we receive union with the body, we receive union with Christ. We receive that regenerative new birth within that is then brought forth by the watering of the Word. That we are drawn back into the Word over and over and over. For those who are baptized are brought forward by sponsors, by others in the faith, who say that they will stand beside them and guide them in that faith. That they will call them forth in faith that they will remind them of their baptisms so that they can know that God is for them, that they can know that there is healing from the sins and the struggles and the weight that is placed upon us in this life. 
And thus we are all sinners in need of God's continual grace this day. My baptism, your baptism, is the place that you can look back to and say, God is for me. God is for you. God is for each of us. And so I can look back and see my baptism. You can look back and see your baptism, whether you were an infant, a child, or an adult. And know that you, that I, belong to God. The Creator of the universe has staked His claim upon you. You are not your own. I am not my own. No, not anymore because of baptism. I belong to the Father and you belong to the Father. This very Father who sent His Son into this world to change us, to deal with our sins, and to bring forgiveness to us. With that forgiveness, He brings restoration, He brings renewal, He brings transformation, He brings renovation to our very hearts. For He sprinkles clean water on us and gives us a new heart. That's what God has promised through His Word, that He will sprinkle us clean. And so Jesus enters into the house of Zacchaeus to be His guest. And thus, when each of us have been baptized, as Meredith and Miriam are brought forward to be baptized, Jesus comes through this water to be our guest, to be their guest, to dwell with them, and by being with them, to change them. They are made children of God through baptism. You are made a child of God through baptism. And in being His child, He calls you to Himself every day, every moment. And so rejoice in remembering your baptism. Rejoice in knowing that Christ is for you through baptism. Rejoice and know that the promises of the Scriptures, of forgiveness, of life, of salvation, they belong to you through baptism and you have a place for faith to cling to. To say, that is mine. For my children, so often I remind them of their baptisms by telling them that they are baptized. That they are united to Christ in His death and His resurrection and through that are made children of God. And thus, being made children of God, they are called to faith. To trust in Christ who brings to them forgiveness, life, and salvation. So baptism isn't the end of our faith. It is but the beginning where we grow, where we are strengthened, where we are built up. And we can rejoice that the calling of Christ is ours. The calling of us to Himself belongs to us through baptism. And so we can trust that Christ, that His promises will be fulfilled, that the Father will act in us by His Spirit to plant these promises and to bring forth fruit out of those promises. Because He has promised to give those to us through baptism. And so remember your baptism. Remember that you are changed through that. And that you are called to faith every day. To walk in that faith which is gifted to you. Which is called forth out of you by the Spirit and by Jesus and by the Father. So that you can walk in that salvation given freely to all. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.